0: Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, an award-winning show dedicated to helping contractors generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. Powered by Rival Digital. Tune in each week to learn how other business owners and industry professionals across the country are staying ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. So, are you ready to dominate your marketing, get a grip on your operations, and build the business you've always dreamed of? Join your host, Eric Thomas, and get a fresh perspective on what it takes to create a world-class contracting business. The best idea wins. Now, here's Eric Thomas. Well, hello
1: again out there and welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast where we believe the best idea wins and we're here to help you generate lots of good ideas. And to do so, we got to bring on smart people like my friend John Ellis to uh, see how we can grow our business and just kind of live our dreams out through this business that (laughs) we've started. Uh, I know that we've got a lot of listeners out there who offer indoor air quality and i'm not quite certain that we've ever really dove super deep on indoor air quality on this show so i'm super excited to talk to john about this um and we will definitely uh, get a new fresh perspective on iaq today so john thank you for joining me why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners
2: you know, first off thank you for having me uh it's a pleasure to be here and to all our listeners and uh just real brief about myself so uh, i've been in the HVAC industry for 43 years. I've seen a lot of changes come and go. And uh, I owned a, an HVAC contracting business in California. And in that business, my, my niche was uh, creating clean, healthy environments for people that were severely compromised. So I've been doing indoor quality, very high level uh, for a very long time. And in that business, my clients would come to me with cystic fibrosis, COPD, immune deficiencies, oncology, uh, double and single lung transplant recipients, uh, debilitating asthmas, all the way down to your garden variety seasonal allergies. So as you can see, that's a full spectrum of of challenges um, that my clients would come to me with. And so uh, I I took that deep dive and, and, and created some processes along the way. And uh, really just it, it's client focused on creating a solution for that specific client and, and whatever their uh, whatever their their pain may be. And, and so um, that that being said, uh, my, my company didn't say heating and air conditioning on the side. It said performance contracting. So in in that I've been doing performance contracting for a very long time before it was kind of kind of cool to do. I, I don't know if it's cool now, but that's, <laughs> that, that's what I did. And, and so um, through, uh, through the years and working with clients and uh, my associate, Gene, who is a respiratory pharmacist, and we had relationships with uh, the UCLA Medical Center, uh, USC Medical Center, LA Children's Hospital, and several prominent oncologists and immunologists and uh, allergists in and around the, the greater Los Angeles area. And so in working uh, with these clients and having some great mentors, again, we're able to really dig in, create solutions, um, create a, a better quality of life. Uh, when we talk about cystic fibrosis, um, the, that's a death sentence. They're, they're going to die from it. And, so, and not to be gloom and doom, but uh, they've made progresses uh, for treatments. Um, but so our goal is to sustain them and stabilize them where they're at and give them quality of life and then hopefully give them an environment that's conducive of healing yeah and so that's uh that that's kind of uh, the direction that we we took it and then um so then fast forward uh, we uh, we end up closing our business and selling it off and uh, i moved uh out of california and um i now have a consulting business called dynamic air consulting Uh, with the focus on those types of clients. And what's unique about that is uh, not only do I go and work with clients with debilitating conditions all over the United States, but I use that as an opportunity to work with contractors in the field with all my testing equipment my knowledge and expertise and use that as a coaching experience. And so we would go in and uh, have, have a conversation with a client and then uh, use uh, the time available for testing, uh, testing in a home and, and figuring out what's going on with, with that home and with that client. And using a unique blend of building science, building forensics and IAQ from a mechanical point of view. I'm HVAC strong, but I was able to cross over into the building science and into um, kind of like the certified industrial high realm of things, but I didn't take it uh, as far as getting a degree and in, in, you know, in, in that field. But I learned a lot working with clients and working with some uh, great mentors. And so that's a great opportunity. And so um, I um, was approached by Dyke and Amanda Goodman to teach indoor air quality. And so when they approached me, uh, I was having an interview and they said, John, we want to create this curriculum for the HVAC industry. And I said, I am absolutely your guy, but I will not stand in front of a group of people and sell products because that's what everybody else does. I said, this has to be the nuts and bolts and science behind IAQ. and and passing that knowledge along to our industry and they said let's let's go ahead let's do it john we love the approach took me a whole year to develop the curriculum and get it through um, get it to where it's presentable to the industry and uh, I don't know if anybody's worked for a a large OEM but uh, once we had it done you got to get it through legal and oh my goodness that was a that was a new experience for me if you will and so uh, I've been teaching that class now for about four years, all over the United States and Canada have been well-received uh, contractors are, are, are putting into practice the, 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 the stuff that I teach the curriculum and um, and it, and it's very foundational. And, and so we need to get a foundation under contractors feet so they can at least, you know, uh, know where to start and how to uh, approach indoor air quality. Uh, like I said, from a building science, building forensics and a mechanical, point of view and be solutions-based. And so uh, one of the other hats I wear, I am a business coach and field service trainer for the new flat rate. Love them or hate them, it doesn't matter to me, but they are a built-for-you menu pricing system. Uh, They are not a pricing company. They are a software and process development company, and it's uh, fully scripted with uh, linguistic psychology and and verbal packaging, and it's a start-to-finish Uh, system that we use the contractor's pricing. I mean, that's where we start. So wherever they're at in their pricing, and then, you know, uh, uh, traditionally, our industry has been a take it or leave it proposition. You go in, diagnose a problem, and here's what it's going to cost, take it or leave it. Well, you know what? We've taken a hard look at what the buying experience. So, I mean, there's a ton of sales stuff, sell, sell, sell. But we looked at it from the other end. The other angle, if you will, and, and what is that buying experience? What do people experience when they're making a purchase? And there's a, a lot of psychology in, in that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we took a hard look at some of the, the, the giants like Home Depot and uh, you know Walmart, and we, we just really looked at it from that other angle. And so, and just a, a, a quick description. So if, if you're doing a repair, and let's just use something simple like a, 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 a capacitor. And so if you're selling that capacitor, uh, you know, a simple something simple outdoor capacitor for $250 and that's your set price and that's a take it or leave it proposition for the client, well, we start there and we call that the cheeseburger. And so if you're going to sell a cheeseburger for $250, you're going to sell that yesterday, today, tomorrow, a week from now, even nine months from now, barring any price increases on on parts, but you're always going to sell a cheeseburger. And if that's all the, on your menu, that's all you ever sell. Well, you know what? Sometimes I feel like a little filet mignon or chicken parmesan or, you know, the lobster. Yeah. And, but if it's not on your menu, how many are you going to sell? Zero. None. Yep. And so then we, we get a lot of pushback and, and that's okay. But all I know is <laughs> I go all over the United States. I get in a truck. I put on a uniform and I go run service calls and we follow the process and it works and it works well. And so the, the pushback I get is, oh, John, oh my goodness, how can you sell a capacitor for $1,400 and sleep at night? It's like, dude, I am not selling a capacitor for $1,400. I'm selling a platinum service, my best work that includes a capacitor. So yeah. that's, enough, that's enough about that. Um, in that relationship with the new flat rate, uh, Rodney Cope and myself are very passionate about indoor air quality. We created the very first and only in our industry, a building science and indoor air quality menu pricing module. And it is fantastic. So we use the process, everything, we're process driven industry. There's a process for everything. Our process is three steps, investigate, analyze, and quote. See what I did there? IAQ, investigate, analyze, and quote. Everything needs to start with the investigation process, or we often call it the discovery process, because you can't fix what you don't know about. But where is our industry? We go right to the quote. There's a, there's a phrase in the medical community, and anybody that's heard me talk knows that uh, it, it's prescription without diagnosis is malpractice. We are guilty of it every day in our everyday businesses, when we're dealing with IAQ, as soon as we hear indoor air quality, we go right to the prescription and not even understanding what it is we're trying to treat. That is malpractice. So the discovery phase has to be robust. And, and, and we've divided it into three key uh, areas uh, to look at. And that would be um, uh, the air. And uh, it allows us with proper training and some equipment to see the unseen what is in the space what kind of pollutants are there and what effects are they having on the inhabitants and so then when you uh do a a good interview with the with the client i often send out a questionnaire they're going to tell you hey this is my this is what's going on and then if you can connect a solution to each thing that they're experiencing that is a solid investigation. So uh, knowing what's in the air, what's in the space and what kind of pollutants we're dealing with and how they uh, uh, affect the inhabitants is number one. Number two, we go to what we call building safety. And so that takes us into the building science principles, which allows us to understand what's going on with the building. So we look at um, infiltration, exfiltration, Uh, we look at uh, building components, uh, interstitial communication between components and what are the driving forces? Are the pollutants in the space? Are they outside the space coming in? So that takes us through that process. And then the last and final process is existing mechanical. I'm HVAC strong, that's what I do. So we look at the effect of the mechanical is having on the space and so i i often uh, will do system performance i want to know where my delivered btus are i want to know my sensible latent ratios where those are falling i want to know what kind of um, effects uh the the system are having on the structure as far as driving my infiltration uh is my hac system putting that space into a negative pressure by lack of design or duct leakage or different things and so we, we look, and then we look at combustion, always look at combustion uh, safety when we're doing existing mechanical. So those are the three phases of um, discovery that we, we look at. And then once you uh, get all your data and, and, and analyze it and connect the dots between what the client's experiencing and what, uh, what the data is telling you, now you can create a scope of work. And often it's, it's a multi-tiered uh, scope to address several different issues. So yeah. that's, the, that's the short of it.
1: The short of it. Before we move on, I also want to bring up, I, I feel like I saw on Facebook, you were recently in a movie. <laughs> a show of some sort?
2: Yeah. So along with what I do, you know, my, my, my wife, when we lived in uh, Los Angeles, was uh, an actress. Uh, she's been sag after for 22 years. When we moved to New Mexico, she's like, wow, John, they're doing a lot of filming here. I'm like, and so I was, uh, I was semi-retired at the time. And so she, she dragged me along. And when I started doing some background stuff and then um, uh, I guess it was uh, two years ago, right. When COVID was starting to, to rear its ugly head. Uh, we got asked by a friend of mine uh, that we met on, on set. And he's like, John, I got this Western. You want to come and do it with us and uh, you'll be core. I'm like, well, I've always wanted to be on a Western. So when I moved here, I didn't own a cowboy hat or nothing. Now I've got like several, I got boots, I got spurs. I got a, uh, um, I got an 1840 sidearm. And so Heck I was like, yeah. I was starting to get into it, you know? And yeah. then, so it is it, called Apache junction. It's with trace Atkins. And we we filmed it here in New Mexico at a movie ranch. And so somebody couldn't show up and they're like john do you want to be in a shootout and i'm like i'm a kid in a candy store (laughs) so they put a they put a period correct double barrel shotgun in my hand I come running out of a barn and I post up and I pull a couple shots off at the main actor who's hiding behind a well. And then my other buddy's there and he empties his six shooter. And the guy comes up and shoots him. And I go running to the train depot while I'm reloading. And I get up there and I crack off a couple more shots. He lights a stick of dynamite off his cigar, you know, like the, the yeah. traditional, you know, yeah. and he throws it and blows me up. If I oh, don't ever do a single thing in my life I am happy because I got to do a shootout in a western movie so anyway it's it's a lot of fun
1: yeah not only did you do a shootout in a western movie but you died a lot cooler than the other person you just you didn't get shot you got blown up by dynamite that was lit up I got blown up and I was covered from (laughs) head to toe because you know they fill it with you know talcum Uh, powder
2: and you know uh, cork and debris and so uh it it was it was a lot of fun I I I gotta say I was uh, a lot of fun
1: That's really cool. All right. So let's dig into the IAQ a little bit. I've got a few questions uh, because, you know, I'm strictly on the marketing side of the trade. I know absolutely nothing about building science um, or any of that good stuff. But I know that a lot of people use IAQ as a sales tool to sell system replacements. And I, I, based on your intro, based on everything you told me that you stood for, it seems like, um, that's something that shouldn't be done so much in the industry where, like you mentioned, just, you know, giving something away without an actual diagnostic is, is malpractice. I think was what you said. Um, And I see it all the time where people are like, you get a free air scrubber with system replacement or a free dehumidifier with system replacement. And and I, I understand where the intention's at in that, but can you speak on, if that's something that contractor should even be doing, is that, is that no bueno or is that good to go?
2: Well, so I, I, understand when you're, you do promotions and I've even seen uh, companies run a promotion. It's like, Hey, you know, uh, get a new air conditioning system. We'll throw the furnace in for free. And so uh, again, and so uh, we have to be ethical in, in our Businesses, and I can't speak into what that looks like, what everybody's moral compass looks like. I can't speak into that at all, but uh, we have to be sure. So, in, in my world of indoor air quality, I often say if somebody calls you with a genuine indoor air quality, and a lot of times there may or may not be a medical condition, and when children are involved, forget about it. I mean, emotions are like crazy. And so we are not to prey on that, but we're to understand. And I often say, look, people will give a good portion of their paycheck to be comfortable and efficient. But when it comes to the life of children and loved ones with a medical condition, they will sell the farm. And so we have to understand. And that, and so uh, I often I, I teach the marketing and sales side of indoor air quality in my in my two day class. It's a sixteen hour class, and I often say, hey, you know what? Uh, you need to be genuine and address the indoor air quality, and and then uh, our our market, like you said, oh, we're going to sell you a new system, and we're going to sprinkle a little bit of indoor air quality by adding a gadget. But but what I say is, you go in focused on indoor air quality and coming up with a solution for a, for a problem, you sprinkle a little bit of equipment on it. And it's totally contrary to where our marketplace is now, but the equipment will come. And it's a simple conversation, Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner, look, you know, based on our conversation and the questionnaire you filled out and our data that we've gathered, we think we've got a pretty solid solution for what you have going on in the space. And so it, it may include upgraded filtration, uh, some uh, building uh, some building airflow corrections, and uh, dehumidification or humidification, right? And and um, and some duct work. And so it's starting to build. And so we say uh, when you get to a certain point, it's like, look, we've got a solid solution, but based on the age of your equipment and the condition, it won't support these solutions because the HVAC equipment most times is the the engine that drives these solutions Mm -hmm. and we would hate for us to get all these in place and have there be a catastrophic failure and now your family's left unprotected and with supply shortages and everything it it, you know so it's an easy conversation to have and now you've introduced the equipment instead of going equipment first but that's where our industry's at and so it takes a little bit of a paradigm shift And so identifying, so um, I'm putting together a curriculum right now on how to implement an an IAQ division within an existing HVAC uh, company, Mm -hmm. which includes looking at your marketplace. And, And so our industry right now, it's almost, if you don't include indoor air quality in one way or another in your website or advertising or on the side of your truck, you're you're missing out but far and few between really know what that even means and how to how to address indoor air quality and then of course with the covid we just got saturated with so many products making some pretty dangerous claims and um and there are some some lawsuits that came because of that there was a company in Minnesota that outfitted a school with with some of these gadgets, and I'm I'm, I'm going to be product agnostic, the, you know. but uh, they, they spent $640,000 with a company to put all these in, and then some of these studies came out, and they said, hey, look, we're going to take you to court, or you come and take all, all this stuff out. So they went and un- uninstalled $640,000 were the gadgets, mm-hmm. because it just wasn't the right approach for what they needed to accomplish so that being said identifying your marketplace how do you how do you how do you promote it is is important and uh and and i think it's important to promote solutions And, and so at our in our industry and in part because of COVID and people being home and all these um these um different products that have been around but they really capitalized on never let a good pandemic go to waste. I say, <laughs> and they capitalize on this. And so HVAC contractors are putting all their faith in marketing. Uh-huh. And, and, and so when, when I, when I insert name of product manufacturer says, Hey, look, use our product, we will remove 99% of pollutants and everything's going to be peaches, rainbows and unicorns. If you install our product. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of information missing. First of all, ninety nine percent of what. Second of all, where did their uh, where did their uh, data come from? And it's a it's a pay to play, and, and sometimes um, sometimes the marketing um, the 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 third party testing is paid for to match marketing. And so when they put it in a <coughs> excuse me in a, in a controlled environment. And they subject whatever it is to their technology that can't be duplicated in the real world. So we yeah. have to be careful. So yeah. from a marketing standpoint, putting, putting, uh, uh, understand your market, do target marketing, but, but cater, uh, uh or, or, or promote a, a solutions based approach and don't put all your face in a product.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned something about um, having a department, an IAQ kind of department, inside of an existing uh, heating and air company. And that's something – that was actually a question I was going to ask was it it seems like true IAQ is a little bit more sophisticated than just selling an air scrubber or selling a new air filter uh, or getting your ducts cleaned. It seems like there's uh, a technical skill set that should accompany this. And so do you recommend companies having their own dedicated person for IAQ or can that be achieved with who they've got already just with some additional training and learning?
2: You know what, Eric, that's a great, great question. And so within our companies, we've got people with different aptitudes, different skill sets, if you will. Um, So, uh, I think the HVAC industry is in the perfect position to be able to serve their clients well, because in what we do, we solve problems. And, you know, and and of course, tech technicians run the the whole gamut of skill set, but we are so used to solving problems. We're some of the smartest guys in the skilled trades industry, I think. And, And so... Um, having a division that's focused on indoor air quality, uh, real indoor air quality and not just driving sales through products um, can can have a person that that's what they do or they could have a few people but um, I think everybody within the company whether you're a service technician, a salesperson, a maintenance technician should be able to identify, I value added opportunities and understand how to have a conversation with that customer. You know, maintenance technicians are in a sweet spot to have that conversation. And, and we, we've got a, a process for that. And so um, when you go to a maintenance call, it's probably the most relaxed and low key call that we as HVAC people can ever do. One, you're not going to a house that's uh, been without for three or four days and everybody's miserable and they're like, oh, you know, they took time off of work and they, they, you know, they're, they're thinking the worst. No, I mean, it's, it's very casual. And so a technician that understands a process and how to have that conversation with that client and understand how to identify those opportunities is really in a good spot. Mm-hmm. But anybody in the company can have that conversation. So, if we're running through a a maintenance call, I mean, everybody's got a maintenance apartment. So, uh, uh, it's simple. You show up, you knock on the door. Hey, what brings us out here today? Well, you're here for annual maintenance. Great. Can you show me around? Hey, how's everything been running? Oh, everything's been running fine. Or they're going to tell you if there's something that's been a miss. And and they're just going to, they're just going to like, oh, hey, you know what? Uh, Everything's been running just fine. Okay. uh, if I were to come across something that uh, is of a concern to me that may cause a, a, a failure in the upcoming heating season, you cooling season, hey, what would you like me to do about it? Well, it's a preventative maintenance, and they're going to tell you. And then you could shift one more question. Is there anybody in the home that has any allergy, asthma, bronchial, respiratory concerns that we need to know about? And they're going to tell you, hey, little Johnny's got asthma. And you know what? This time of year, it's worse. You know, he's having to use his inhaler more or, you know, there's trips to the doctor. You know what? I'm real sorry to hear that. My company right now is running a special. I can run a free air assessment while I'm here doing my maintenance. What that allows us to do is identify any pollutants in the home that may be a problem for little Johnny. Is that something you're interested in? Well, who doesn't like free? It was a simple conversation. Yeah. And so you go and you do your maintenance, you set up your your device and, and we, we use a, a couple of different ones and in 30 minutes you got a report and it starts the conversation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you, you need to be able to communicate that to the customer. And uh, and and hopefully that conversation leads to further testing or it's something they're really interested in, and that can take you, you know, on that path to creating a solution for a problem but you have to identify it first. Uh, I walk into uh, homes all the time and it's like they got three or four air purifiers you know, around. And it's like, well, you know what? Hey, particulates is a problem. We, we got an answer for that. So uh, again, uh, I, having a conversation, doing it in a fashion that is not salesy, just a matter of a fact, we, we want to we bring up the perceived value of the service that we're doing while lowering sales resistance. And again, on a maintenance call, it's, it's, it's low. Mm-hmm. And so that's a great opportunity uh, for you know, technicians to have that conversation. You know, I was out with a young service tech in Minnesota. Uh, he's a maintenance tech. So I get there and I'm working with the company for the full full week, we're doing ride along. So they put me in the truck, his name is Corey, he put me in a truck and I'm he, it's his first day in his own truck. And it's his first call by himself and he gets me. <laughs> <laughs> so we get there and we knock on the door. I said, hey, let me run the call and then just watch me and you'll do the work and we'll see, see how it goes. So we get there and I start, hey, you know, what? Uh, part, part of the process on raising that perceived value is letting them know what all is entailed in a maintenance call so i I get started she's her phone rings she says just a minute and she answers the phone and she says hey can i call you back the filter guys are here (laughs) how much perceived value is there in a filter guy (laughs) an orangutan can change a filter right (laughs) so her perceived value was like way low And, and, and so we need to build that up it's like hey well Did anybody ever tell you what we're going to do on your maintenance visits today? Hey, we're going to go through the mechanical systems, performance system, and the safety systems. We want to make sure your equipment's running the best it can. We want to kind of help ensure that you're not overpaying on your utility bills. And we here at Dynamic Air believe that safety is no accident for your family. It is a top priority for us to make sure your family is safe. So what did I do? I just let them know what I'm going to do. Does that seem like there's a little more value than a filter? Filter changer. Oh, yeah. So that's all part of a process, but uh, yeah, it, it, it works. Yeah.
1: Now, that's, um, you know, I think that's something that those little things like letting them know what you actually do and building that value. There are so many people that forget the little things like that, just your are blocking and tackling stuff and then asking and mentioning the, the questions like you were saying, like I can't tell you the amount of times I've had. I've had a, a handful of heating and air companies come to my house. Um, you know, one of them replaced the system and they got bought. And then another companies come and they just show up to do the maintenance and they just, how's it going? They go up into the attic, they do their thing, and then they leave and I sign an iPad. But they could easily do what you just said is there anyone in the home with, with allergies or asthma? And I would say, yeah, me. And then I would be interested to learn about something like that, but there's so many people not doing that. Instead, they just lean on buy a new system and we'll give you an air scrubber or we'll give you a, uh, you know, whatever it might be. <clears throat> so what, what, what's the big, like the big takeaway, um, you know, for contractors listening to this right now, in your opinion, for 2023 and indoor air quality.
2: Well, let's 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 bring it down to what everybody wants to know about the dollars and cents. Mm-hmm. And so um, you can sell a, a, a gadget or a gizmo and, and, and they make it very attractive. I mean, and you can spiff the technician. Hey, I just want you to sell these things because the latest and greatest. I got a deal from my supply house. Just sell these things. Get them in place. And so, and so um, you know, let, let's just use silly numbers. It's $1,500 installed, uh, cost $500 for the, for the part. You know, some were riding around that neighborhood and then uh, you spiff the contractor 250 bucks and then they install them hand over fist. Okay, that's, that's a hard argument to have. Don't do that anymore. But there's there's, you know, there's some integrity that needs to happen. Uh, so not, uh, maybe if they don't overpromise. So in my business, my average IAQ job, residential, right? This is coming up with solutions and fixing somebody's environment. It's not just indoor air quality. It's not just the air. We're changing environments in what we do with $70,000 all day. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd sell one or two a week, and that's us going in. Fixing a problem with equipment or without equipment. Um, I um, I uh, I worked with a contractor in Houston. They took my class. They're pretty good guys. They're they they're NCI guys, so they're very very sharp. And uh, they took my class. They had a they had a client. Uh, the daughter wore iron lung, and so this is a prosthetic that helps her breathe. And they're like John, this is a little bit above our expertise at this point in in, in our journey, and so. They they quoted my uh, my consultation fee to the homeowner. They had me come out, so we went through everything. And I said, "Hey, look, you know, we came up with a scope of work. We had the conversation with the client. Client loved it. He's like, no one else ever said anything about this." And so I said, "Look, I don't know everybody's marketplace. I don't know what your margins are. You guys have to quote this job. I can't do it for you." They called me two weeks later and they said, "John, we just sold that job for sixty thousand dollars. No equipment. The equipment was only three years old." Mm-hmm. But they went in and solved problems. There was dehumidification. There was outside air, fresh air. There was pressure. There was uh, sealing of the envelope, uh, high-grade filtration, reducting, new controls. I mean, they really went in and and solved the problem. And and so uh, what I say to contractors, I mean, you can sell these, these gadgets and make $500. And you could do that all day long, or you can genuinely help your client and bring up get a bigger ticket but at the end of the day you served your client well
0: mm-hmm.
2: and so my largest indoor air quality job to date is 1.4 million i sold several indoor air quality jobs for two three four five hundred thousand dollars per, per project now we, we're getting into the commercial realm of things Uh, but, um, it's still the, the physics and the science never changed. Uh, the why never changes just the how, and so that, that was the kind of revenue that you can have if you have a proper indoor air quality division within your company. And, and it's not all about the money, but money is the fuel that fuels of the engine that is our company. So if you're profitable, well, guess what? You can, you know, keep the new. Trucks and uniforms. And if that that um, that lady at church is down on our luck and needs help, well, guess what? You can help her. If the veteran comes back and you're a profitable company, you can help him. You can dig a well in Africa and have fresh water for you know, you can do all kinds of stuff yeah. if you're profitable. And so that's important. You have to be profitable. But uh, my uh, my career has been been awesome uh it's been very good to me and I, i've had the wonderful opportunity of flying all over the united states and working with families and doing it on my own time yeah because i was profitable and yeah. so that's that that's part of it so um i i think that speaks into uh what contractors want to know about well you know it's, it's great to be fuzzy and feel good but if we're not making any money you know why do it the money's there yeah but the biggest thing is you're doing right by client and you're changing lives. You really are changing lives. I got some amazing stories of, of children and families I've worked with uh, all over where I absolutely have changed their lives. And I, we're, we're friends to this day. You know, I, I, I met a little girl in Minnesota when she was five. She's in college now. Oh. And, and we, my wife and I went and visited her at her college and saw her dorm and the campus. We went out to dinner. So those are the kind of relationships that are long-lasting that you get from this.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Let, let's speak into another thing. So uh, I, I'm speaking at the symposium, so I'm gonna do a little teaser on maintenance agreements and, and how to make them profitable. You know, Traditionally, maintenance agreements are, are a losing proposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do it for a couple of reasons, uh, customer retention and, um, and that relationship, um, getting the demand service you know, from that customer. And, uh, and then uh, after the life of that, uh, that equipment, we get the equipment change. But if, if you look at a maintenance department as a department and it's hemorrhaging money. And so you've got you've got a, a service department and, and they better darn well be profitable. Yeah. You've got an installation department. They better well be de- de- profitable. You've got a sales department that should be driving the profitability of, of, of the other departments. And then you've got the maintenance department that's hemorrhaging money. <laughs> and so on average, across the United States, it costs $250 to put a service truck in a driveway for 45 minutes. So that's, you know, whether you own the truck or not, that's a truck payment, the truck, wear and tear, maintenance, uh, windshield time, benefits package for that that, that technician. Um, having a fully stocked truck, whoo, that's some money. So all yeah. those things go into that. Uh, and and it's a little different. This is an average across the United States. And and so if if you take that number, so 250 bucks to put a truck in a driveway for 45 minutes. If you got a maintenance um, package that you sell, and I see, I see them sold for all kinds, but kind of the average is 240 dollars for a twice a year visit. Uh, again, this is just averages. It, it goes up and down. It, it's definitely different in New York City because every call is a parking ticket, so they charge accordingly. But so 250 bucks, right? You sell that, that uh, that's what it costs to put the truck. You sell that maintenance agreement for $240 and you go there twice. That's $130 a visit. If all that maintenance guy went in and performed his maintenance and left, like the guy you were talking about who just went and did his thing and left, and you go twice a year, annually, you lost $260 off of that one maintenance. If all you did is do your maintenance and leave,
0: yeah. right?
2: If you have 1,800 maintenance agreements and it's not unusual. I I work with a company in Del Rio that's got uh, 2,800 maintenance agreements. Well, if you have 1,800 agreements and for that amount of money you just lost, if all you did was just go do your maintenance and leave, that's $468,000 of potential loss on maintenance agreements. So how do we make them profitable? We need to be able to convert. Our maintenance calls into positive invoices by one customer's most important would be safety. Yeah. The second would be failure prevention. And then their lowest concern would be um, accessories, sundries, bolt ons, you know. And so that's so uh, being able to identify those value added services, being able to convey them to the customer, showing the value. While keeping sales resistance down and you start converting maintenance calls to positive tickets, you can run a profitable maintenance department. I'm working with a company in Michigan. The maintenance department is catching up to the service department. Wow. But you got to be ethical and honest and and you got to have integrity and you bring these to the customer and you have that conversation with the customer and convert maintenance calls. So uh, the at, at bare minimum, let's break even. Yeah. So it, it, it used to be as an exit strategy when it was time to sell your company. Part of what they looked at is how many maintenance agreements are you holding. Well, they still look at that, but they look at it departmentally and say, is your maintenance department profitable or are they hemorrhaging money? So if they're losing money, where does that come from? The other departments. Mm-hmm. So let's say that you're for the life of that uh, that that customer, whether they're uh, an existing company, a customer you just installed or you pick them up and their equipments, you know, five years old. And so you figure you got 10 years. And so you, 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 you keep that. You get a couple of service calls. Right. You, so that, that's fine. But at the end of that 10 years, hey, they're ready to change the equipment and you get that sell. Well, based on those numbers, if you're losing $260 a year and you went 10 years, that's $2,600 for the life of that that customer. And now you get that sale, you may only be making $2,600 on a three-piece changeout, wow. right? Yeah. Or if whatever that is, you've taken a big bite out of the profitability of that changeout. So you have to look long-term. And you have to really look at those numbers a different way. Yeah. And so there's other things that come into that equation. Customer acquisition. They say it costs about four hundred dollars to acquire a customer. And so there's other, you know, variables that go into some of those calculations. But just if you just look at some simple numbers, it's uh yeah, that's scary.
1: Yeah. No, I, I think that there's a lot, um, especially with maintenance. There's a lot of different ways that that can go. <clears throat> you know, I've seen I've seen some people absolutely kill it with maintenance like you mentioned, and I've seen other people just the maintenance becomes a burden, it becomes a huge loss leader and nothing comes out of it. And so, yeah, there's just there's so much that could go wrong or right with maintenance. It's one of those things. Yeah. So, well John, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, really, feel like I've learned a lot. I feel like we could probably sit here for another two hours and just chat, chat away. But uh, I know our listeners don't like hanging on that much longer. So, yeah, Anyways, go ahead and um, start wrapping up a little bit here. Um, is there anything that we missed or anything that you were hoping to cover in our conversation today?
2: Well, great conversation. Uh, I, I look at this as kind of a teaser. And if your listeners want to know more, I mean, I, I'm definitely uh, able to have a conversation, see what that looks like. Uh, you know, it, it, it comes. It's 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 about training and education. Uh, we can't emphasize that enough. And no, no, matter what it is you do, I mean, even even the best service tech can always learn something new. Uh, but as a business owner and departmental managers, uh, there, there's plenty for them to learn because these decisions. If we're going to do a department, or if we're going to do Real indoor air quality has to be top down. So this great conversation, and we we can do this again and talk about a whole uh, bunch of different uh, topics, if you will. But I, I appreciate that. And again, if anybody's interested, they can always reach out to me.
1: Yeah. What's a good way for our listeners to get a hold of you or reach out to you?
2: Okay. So uh, my uh, email address is dynamicairconsulting at aol um, The new flat rate is uh, the new dot com. And for Daikin Amanda Goodman, my, my training is uh, HVAClearningcampus.com. So uh, again, with, with, with Daikin, you know, not everybody likes Daikin, but you know what, Mr. Akama, he very eloquently said, hey, we sell a box, a, a sheet metal box with a motor and a bunch of wires and some components. Everybody does that. It's the contractor that breathes life into that box. And Mr. Akama said, "I don't care if we're your first choice, second choice, or third choice. We just want a place at the table." And so our training is offered to absolutely everybody. I've done this training for uh, for a group of carrier people and Lennox people, and you know what? Mr. Akama doesn't care. He said, "Just we just want to train and, and bring up the whole prop up the whole industry rather than bring them down." And so
1: yeah. it's, it's pretty neat. That's awesome. Well, John, I appreciate you joining me on the show today. And uh, if I don't chat with you again beforehand, I hope you have safe travels and a great time at some of your upcoming shows you got.
2: Yeah, thank you. Maybe we'll run into each other at AHR. Yeah,
1: we might. Hope to see you there. All right. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning into another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast. We will see you all again next week. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, powered by Rival Digital, helping business owners and industry professionals across the country stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. We hope you learned something from this week's episode, and don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast.